You know, if you study historically the great movements of God and revival, they always come at a low moment in the history of, of the nation. They don't come at the height, the prosperity, when everyone's comfortable. It's when there's a desperation, a desperation for God, and we don't seem to do well getting that by ourselves. So God sometimes allows and arranges situations to bring you closer to him so that you understand that it's not by might nor by power, but by my what? My spirit, says the Lord. Now, that's a really interesting scripture in Zechariah 4.7. I'm gonna bring it back into the message today in a, in a really fantastic way that I think is gonna be greatly encouraging. You know, uh, Lester Summerall said this. He said, God will never give you a dream that you can accomplish on your own. So many times you dream and you think and you plan and you set goals, but you forget that you don't, ever really accomplish it by yourself. And the strategic partnerships that God has brought together over the season of the last uh, 12 to 18 months, I think has really been amazing. We've seen God do some things that we didn't even know were possible. I've been sitting with people I never thought I would sit with and have conversations about how to move God and how to, how to bring revival to California and the nation. And those are people I didn't know 18 months ago. And they're people coming from all different industries, all different walks of life, and yet all of them have that same, just I call it just that, that gut, you know, desperation for God. And, the, and when you get that, you can only quench it with God, amen? Amen. Well, let me, let me give you this thought. Every generation has a problem to solve. If you go back to the time of slavery, they had a problem to solve. We have to free slaves. That brought about the Civil War. That brought about Second Great Awakening. Fast forward, you go into the period of the Great War, World War I. They had a problem to solve. They had to stop what was happening worldwide. And, and, and we know out of that came this time of prosperity. But then came this time of Great Depression. They had a problem to solve. Then came World War II. We had a problem to solve. We saw the rise of, of the Nazi army coming, and we saw uh, socialism rising. Sound familiar? We saw that coming. We had a problem to solve. And then coming out of that, we saw the Korea conflict, a problem to solve. Vietnam, problem to solve. Civil rights movement, problem to solve. We have a problem to solve. It's not for somebody else. It's for us. We are the generation that are to solve the problem. God sends us a problem, and he said, I am preparing you for an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Will you take the assignment? Will you solve the problem? Will you do it in the power of God and not the power of your own strength? Will you use wisdom, cunning, and understanding that comes from me so that you absolutely blow all those who oppose God away? They go, where did they come up with that strategy? Where did they come up with that idea? How did that happen? And you're gonna to start to see this house of cards crumble where there's this control over the world. It's crumbling already. The, amen? The iconic picture of the 2021 for me is gonna be that Southwest Airlines with the don't tread on me flag hanging out of the window. And the house of cards began to fall. Remember what happened? They came out and said it was bad weather. And, and, and watch this, when God does work, he has his enemies defeat the enemies. 
So the FAA came out and said, no, there wasn't any bad weather. I don't know what they're talking about. Right? And so you see these house, these cards begin to fall, and when they begin to fall, guess what? There's going to be a void there that we need to fill with the power of God, the love of God, and the justice of God. Amen? So let me take you to Matthew chapter 17. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, uh, verse, beginning in verse 14, it says, when they had come to the multitude. Now the disciples have been, they've gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen God, uh, the Lord Jesus, just revealed before their very eyes, transfigured into, a, into this, this eternal body, this glorified body. And they want to stay on this mountain and says, no, we have to leave the mountain. So it says they came down to the multitude and the first thing that happened after they had this amazing spiritual experience, it says a man came kneeling and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic, suffers severely, for he often falls in the fire, often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now remember, Jesus enlisted disciples to carry on the work that he was due when he went back to the Father. And so this, this father is just like any other parent in this room. If your son or daughter is suffering, what do you do? You go, I will do anything to bring help and healing. And so they go to the disciples because they're the first line of defense there around Jesus, and they go, can you heal him? And they go, yeah, we're gonna heal him. But it says they could not. Now look at verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? So what he did was he highlighted the problem. The problem is that you're walking in as an unfaithful generation. That's why you're not seeing the power of God. If you will step into the authority and the position that you have, you're going to see the miracles of God happen. Amen? Amen. And it says, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So bring me the boy. I'm going to take care of the boy, but I want you to learn something in this process. Now, when you face problems, I want you to know that every problem that you face is ultimately a wisdom problem. It's not a financial problem. You say, I have a financial, no, you have a wisdom problem. I have a physical problem. No, you have a wisdom problem. The great thing about wisdom, God says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely and without reproach, but do not be double-minded. Don't be like the waves that move, toss and uh, move, back and forth, but be stable in all your ways. And so when you say, well, I lack wisdom, okay, right now, let me tell you how you get wisdom. Are you ready? God, I need wisdom. That's what he says. How, how difficult can that be? God, I need wisdom. Have you ever met somebody who say they're wise, but really what they are is they're, they're experienced in life. We're not talking about that kind. We're talking about the wisdom that comes from above. We, we're talking about God's wisdom that gives you insights into a situation that you never could have had by yourself. And that God wants to open these things up, but he's re- he wants a, a fertile mind. He wants you to be hungry and thirsty for what he's doing. One thing we do know is an uncontested enemy will flourish. If you allow the enemy to come against you, it will flourish. You have, to, you have to always be on the offensive. You see, Christians have too long been on the defensive. We're gonna protect ourselves. We're gonna hide deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, we're gonna do, we're gonna just move to Texas. That's it, I'm done, I'm moving to Texas. Right, we're gonna be one of the immigrants. It's interesting, I was in a meeting this week that we're talking about uh, the school textbooks and, and how 
pornographic they have become and, and some strategies on what to do about that. And I asked the question, I said, like, where did all this, did we originate all this bad stuff here in California? No, actually, this started in Dallas-Fort Worth. So much for the promised land. You see, if you, if you move to solve your problem, you will be moving the rest of your life. You have to find God in the midst of your problem. You have to understand how you're going to prevail in the midst of your problem and see what God can do. Now, are you saying, Pastor, we should never move? I'm not saying that. I'm saying move for the right reason. You've got to move because God's telling you to move, not because you go, well, I can save like $10,000 in taxes. Oh, that's great. You're going to go to Arkansas and your house is going to go up 1% every 20 years. Now think about it. Get wisdom from God. You see, you are called, you and I are called to engage this world with supernatural ability and manifest God's kingdom. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. You are called to engage this world with supernatural ability and manifest God's kingdom. When they encounter you, they should be encountering God. Not you, not your opinions, not all those other things that just nobody really cares about anyway. You know, that was the, the most enlightening thing. I've said this before, but my dad, I said, Dad, I'm worried what people are thinking about me. He said, they're not even thinking about you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, you know what? It actually helped. It actually helped because I thought, well, they probably aren't. I'm not really thinking about them. Why would they think about me? I want to, uh, I want to read something to you. I, I came across this. I thought it was just, these are both old books, but I thought how prophetic they are right in this season. Listen to this one. We are entering, in, uh, we are entering a battle bigger than most of us appreciate. Something is emerging in the earth that seeks to rob nations of their ability to stand up in freedom of their unique autonomy and reveal the glory of God has deposited in them. If that doesn't sound prophetic, I don't know what does. Let me read another one. There is a great end-time spiritual battle taking place. We cannot see it with our physical eyes. It is happening in the spiritual realm. We must have spiritual eyes to see it. We can know what it is, what is taking place by seeing the impact on the earth. What's happening in the spiritual realm is being manifest in the physically on the earth. What you see being manifest right now on earth, where it's whether it's control, lack of freedom, Whatever it is, just remember that behind that, there are spiritual forces that are seeking to control nations and to control people. You see, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, anybody know the rest of that verse? Freedom. Freedom. You see, freedom is not the ability to do uh, what you want to do. It's the freedom to choose properly under the auspices of God's kingdom. That's what real freedom is. So now, all of a sudden, you're working and living out your life the way God wants you to live out your life. Last week, we, uh, we revealed to you this new ministry center. I want to show you a picture of it for those of you who weren't here. This is, uh, we just entered into escrow. Now all I have to do is raise a few hundred thousand dollars and get the loan approved. But other than that, we're fine. You know, and what I realized about faith, just leave that up for a minute and just uh, let me talk about it. What I realized about faith in this building, it's just like every other building. But you know, you learn something, like when we first got this building, I was a nervous wreck in the spiritual realm. 
until it closed. And I didn't even know it was gonna close. I literally, we got down to five days before we were closing and would lose our money that we put into escrow, and I didn't have a loan. I couldn't find a nickel in a couch. You know what I'm talking about? And everybody goes, what are you gonna do? And I go, I really don't know what I'm gonna do. We're just gonna, we just believe God wants us to have this building. Now you're five days out from closing. It's Monday, we're gonna close on the next Monday at five business days. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Somebody said, call this guy in Amarillo. And I called him, and he said, no, I can't help you, but call this guy. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy. I've, we've had 113 no's from banks at that moment, all right? You know, that's not good for your self-esteem. <laughs> and so I called this guy, and I said, yeah, I need this much money. And he says, yeah, I think we can do that. And I said, well, I close on Monday. He said, yeah, I understand, no problem. And then I said, well, can you send me the application? He said, yeah, I'll send you the application. So I don't get it all afternoon. I said, hey, where's the application? Well, I had a long lunch. <laughs> it's Monday. Now it's Tuesday. Tuesday. He sent it out to me, and, and I filled it out in record time because I'd filled out 113 of them. And, um, you know, I mean, there was no question. I mean, I, I, I give up everything. Firstborn child, everything. Here it is. Take them all, right? We want to get this building. And so I send it back to him, and I go, hey, did you get it? He said, no, I took off early this afternoon. <laughs> Who are you? You ever, it's amazing how God always sends somebody in your life to force you into faith. Because you won't choose it by yourself. But you, how about this one? Yes, uh, God, I would like you to take as long as you possibly can to answer my prayer. Have you ever prayed that in your life? Nobody, you're crazy if you pray that prayer. So anyway, so now it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, and he calls me and goes, I've got good news. Uh, you've got approval from the junior loan committee. The operative word is junior. I said, is there a senior loan committee? Oh, yes. I said, when are they meeting? Well, they're meeting tomorrow. That's Thursday. So he calls me up on Thursday, and he said, I got some good news and bad news. What do you want first? I said, give me the bad news first. Well, we can't close on your loan on Monday. Yeah, that's pretty good bad news. We're going to close tomorrow. We were also praying for an additional $200,000 that we were going to raise here. And he said, you know, we were looking at the loan. We don't think you asked for enough money. Now, he didn't know anything about what we were praying. He said, we're going to go ahead and give you another $200,000 if that's okay. <laughs> you know, when I got done, I felt really good and exhausted. <laughs> so now the fact that we've entered into a $6 million building and we don't have all the money and we don't have the loan yet doesn't really bother me anymore. Because I've been down this road. You see, if your faith is in God and not in your processes, then everything is fine. Because you don't know how it's going to happen. I just, I told George, I said, I will be, I will be this kind of person until we close. Meaning, I'm just going to be tense, trusting, faithful, not sure what's going on. Because that's the way it is. But every time you go down a faith journey, your faith increases. So let me, let me show you the location. This is a second slide that I, the ministry center. This is the location of where we are. So you can see we're in the worship center now. The ministry center over here is uh, to the right uh, of that building. And it's uh, 22,000 square feet. And um, I, I just want to let you know that I offered um, uh, Sean and his team, they could office there. Um, if, if they want to establish 
if they want to have an office in Southern California as well, uh, we'd just be honored to have you office there. So whatever God leads you, wherever you're going, you know you've got a place. Amen? All right. So let me, let me talk to you a little bit for a moment about the first decade. In the first decade, uh, which we'll, uh, we'll complete next year, we had pioneers. We had people that stepped up and just enabled us to get this with large gifts, and it really does. And, and this week, we've had a, a, an amazing thing. We've had gifts from uh, $20 to $150,000, and every one of them is important. Whether you give 20 or you give 150 or more, it's it's honorable before the Lord. In the next decade, I think we're going to see builders. I think we're going to see uh, people rise up with legacy in mind. They're going to look at everything differently. They're not going to look at, you know, can I get this, can I get that? They're going to say, no, I want to build something that's going to last and have a legacy. And I can't think of a better place to do it than California. When we are, it's kind of like God says, you know, everybody says, well, you know, it's gone. California's gone. No, no, no. There's more soil of revival in California than any other state in the United States. So our goal is 600,000. Last year, uh, uh, you committed $325,000. And let me tell you about one person. I got a, I got a text message because I gave my mobile number. That's my mobile number. All right, right there. Leave it up there. That's my mobile number. Uh, don't call me and complain. But text me, say, Pastor, I want to get involved. What can I do? And I put that up, and I got a text from somebody in South Carolina and said, you know, we've never been to your church, but uh, we watch you online every week, and uh, we're going to send you $5,000. You know, and I, and I just think, I thank God for a global community that, that sees what God can do and just wants to be a part of it. The longer I live, the more convinced I am that faith is a mystery. I, the moment I think I know something about it, God surprises me and blows me up and shows me I'm, I'm a beginner, right? It is a mystery. Look at Matthew 17, 18. Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. It's so simple. It's like watching uh, Sean lead worship. I go, he just seems so relaxed. I mean, like, of course, you have done this like 10 million times in the last 12 months. But it's just like faith is just when God acts, he just acts, because it's not about how loud you are. You know, some people think it's how loud you are when you pray for somebody. No, God is going deaf from your loud voice. It's about coming from the heart. Matthew 17, 19, and 20, the disciples came to Jesus privately. They were embarrassed. Why could we not cast out the demon? And he simply said, because of your unbelief. If you study faith in Scripture, there's, there's at least five different kind of descriptors for faith. One is weak faith. And I want you to, as we go through these, I want you to just think about which faith category you're falling in today. And you don't have to stay there, by the way, unless it's in great faith. But weak faith, is my faith weak? It's usually weak because you're not working it out. You're not trusting for something that you can't accomplish yourself. Is my faith little? This was when the disciples were in the boat and, and the storms came up and they woke Jesus up and they said, we're going to perish. And he said, oh, you have little faith. You see, Jesus already told them we're going to the other side. Then there's a growing faith. We find that in 2 Thessalonians where your faith is growing. It might be small, but you know what? I'm making progress. I'm in process of getting greater faith. Then there's something called strong faith. And that was uh, Romans 4 and it talked about Abraham and how he had strong faith. 
We have to have strong faith, and then there's, of course, great faith. In fact, this faith, Jesus said, I've never seen anything like it, not in all of Israel, and that was a centurion who came to Jesus and said, my servant is very sick. Jesus said, I'll go with you. He said, you don't need to come. I'm a man of authority. I give an order, and they do this, they do that. Just give the order, and he'll be healed. And Jesus said, I have never seen such great faith in my life. There's no evidence. There's nothing tangible that says it's going to happen. There's just the word of Jesus. Here's something I do believe. Mountains do move. Mountains move. Look what it says, Matthew 17. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. Now, it's interesting. He points out this mountain. This is the mountain he was just transfigured on. If you have your Bibles, you can at least mark this down or go to it, but in Zechariah chapter 4 is the mountain he's referring to. It's a prophetic mountain. It's not just a random mountain. It's a mountain he wants you to go back to and study in Scripture and understand the leverage point that he's giving you. In Zechariah chapter 4, beginning actually in verse 3, it talks about two olive trees, two witnesses. Those two olive trees are found again in the book of Revelation chapter 11. They're the two witnesses during the tribulation period. And he's saying, I want you to know that in times of tribulation, you're going to have power. You're going to have a witness. You're going to have authority in times of difficulty. And then listen to what it goes on to say. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by my, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? This is what he's talking about in Matthew 17. Go back, study the scripture. Who are you, O Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. You're gonna just level out completely. And he shall bring forth the capstone with the shout of grace, grace, grace. And he says, and it will move. You see, I think there's something powerful of being in difficult times that you realize it's not by might, not by power, but by my, what? Spirit, says the Lord. I'm gonna take the mountain, I'm gonna make it like a plane. You're gonna have a witness in the midst of a storm. And then, he's, then he addresses this in verse 21. They're still just like, they don't understand why could we not cast out the demon from this boy? And then he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. He said, there are some spiritual forces that are come against you that prayer will not satisfy. You're gonna have to go beyond that. You're gonna have to move into the realm of fasting. You know, we have, for most of the years we've been in existence, done a 21-day fast starting in January. My wife's got a new book coming out on fasting. It's gonna be tied right into our church. But we fast from January 21 uh, right into the 12th of February. It's exactly 21 days. What is it in your life that you, can't, you haven't seen answers because of prayer? Maybe you need fasting. Maybe your faith is weak. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's growing, but it's not there yet. What is it God is saying? What is it you need to be set free from? You see, this, this young boy was, you know, he was, he was dealing with a problem, and the problem is spiritual in his life. Oh, it manifests itself as one of the physical ailments, but you see, this one was identified. This kind of demonic forces are not, you're not delivered except by prayer and fasting. And he took us back to the seed. You know, he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you know what, you know what a seed is? It's, it's, it's a capsule of life. 
You see, your faith has to be a capsule of life. They found seeds in the pyramids that were well over 2,000 years old, and they took some of them and planted them, and they grew. Because time didn't affect the effectiveness of faith. Circumstances being hidden away didn't affect the, the power of faith. There's nothing that can stop faith if you'll step into faith. Amen? And then he also told us to speak to the mountain. Isn't that interesting? You see, there's power in human speech. Now, some of you think your dog can speak. It cannot. Right? It is given to man to speak. Why? Do you realize that everything about you is tied in? When God created the heavens and the earth, it says he spoke them into existence. Spoke them into existence. When he was healing people, he would often say, you know, you're healed. Just be healed. And they would rise up and walk. Speak to the mountain. Do you realize that the speech center of your brain is tied to your entire nervous system? And when you speak something, your nerves go are activated to respond. So if you say, I don't have any faith, the nerves say, oh, he doesn't have any faith. We're just gonna, we're gonna go on vacation. When you say, I'm sick, their nerves go, oh, we're sick. We're all sick, let's just go down. That's why the Bible says, in your mouth there is either life or death from the tongue. And if you're cursing the ground you're walking on, and if you're, if you're destroying the promises of God before you ever read them, you're not gonna see the hand of God in your life. Amen? And I really believe that God wants us to have that ministry building. I don't know how it's all gonna come together. I don't know how God is gonna move you. Some of you need to give large checks. Some of you are gonna give $20. But together, we can accomplish more than we can by ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now watch this final thought. Faith is always connected to a promise. You see, it's not faith in faith. Faith is always objective. It's faith in God. A lot of people say, just have the faith. In what? I just believe everything's gonna work out. When people tell me that, I always go, have you ever been wrong? I wanna know if I can bank on your statement. Well, yeah, I've been wrong. Okay, then that one's no good. But if I have a promise, the promise of God, the living word of God, I go, I believe in this, and this is a word that God gave me, this is a word that God wrote to me, this is for me, for this day, for this now, I'm gonna believe that. Well, what if it doesn't happen? I'm gonna die believing it. That's what I'm gonna do. I will die believing the word of God. Because it is eternal. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. You know what that means? The word of God will be in heaven with you. You might as well learn some of it now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want you to stand with me, and I want you to bow your heads. I want to I invite you to invite God into your life for faith. Heavenly Father, just pray this along with me, and you, you can modify the words as we go, but just pray this as we go. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will just infuse me with great faith. God, give me opportunity to go out on a limb and trust you. God, give me an opportunity to be a part of legacy of what you want to do in this world through me. Some of you need to break off. There's some things that need to be broken off in your life that's a bondage to you right now. Whether that's emotional or physical, whether that's spiritual, whatever, you know what it is. Nobody has to tell you. You know what it is. It's that one thing you say, if I just had freedom of that, I could have freedom. Would you just give that to Jesus right now?
Would you say, Jesus, in your name, break off this thing that's keeping me from walking with you in the power of Almighty God? Lord Jesus, set me free, put me on a high place, and let me be a conqueror for the kingdom of God. Amen? If, you're not, if you've never given your heart to Christ, I'm gonna ask you right now, would you call on the name of the Lord? The Bible says all who call on his name will be saved. That's a promise. God says, I'm gonna promise you something. If you call on my name, I'm gonna save you. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. If, you've, if you're uncertain or you're not saved, dear Lord Jesus, just pray it out loud right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died, were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Give me the power of the Spirit of God right now, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, I want you just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. Amen, all over. Amen, God bless you. Just raise your hand. Amen, 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 amen and amen.